through. Okay, so today's daf is uh, Dalid in Masachet Shkalim. We are, uh, we left off yesterday, Gimel Amud Bet, the bottom of the Amud, with the new Mishnah. Mishnah says, and, you'll, and uh, you probably noticed that in the Yushalmi, it calls the Mishnah Halacha. It says Halacha. Night Halacha Dalid. So it says, Afal Pi. Even though we don't force, in other words, we don't take collateral from women or slaves or children for the machatzit shekel, but if they give machatzit shekel, we take it from them. However, if a non-Jew or a kuti, kuti is a Samaritan. So the Samaritans were a group that they still exist today, that they uh, quasi-converted in the times of the, uh, uh, in between Bait Rishon and Bait Sheni, times uh, during the Galut Bavel, there were a group of uh, people who moved into who were moved into Eretz Israel to occupy the land, and they kind of adopted Jewish customs, and there was a big uh, big argument whether their conversion was valid or not. So there's a we're going to see. I think it's going to discuss on the next stuff whether their you know the, the the famous issue of whether their conversion is valid or not. But we talked about it actually in Masachet Eruvin. But in any case, we don't accept the Machatzit Shekel from the Gentile or from the Kuti. Um, we don't accept from them the offerings of zavim or zavot that they bring at the end of their uh, ziva purification. Or if they gave birth, and, a, what, and seemingly what it means is the Gentile or the Kuti want to bring uh, offerings of Yoledet, we don't accept it. Or if they bring a Chatat or an Asham, we don't accept it. Anything, the rule is that anything that you can give voluntarily, such as Korban Ola, we accept from them. But anything that they don't, that you can't bring voluntarily, in other words, obligatory Korbanot, that don't, make, don't uh, you know, have any connection to the Gentiles. So there's, it doesn't make any sense for him to bring them. Um, and we don't accept it from them. Only things that are given voluntarily, meaning mainly Olot, they're allowed to bring um, if they wish. And uh, and this is what we see in the book of Ezra. This is referring back to Machatzit Shekel that we don't accept the Machatzit Shekel from Gentiles because it says because the uh, because in the times of Ezra, one of the big uh, issues was that the Jews had come back to Eretz Israel. The Samaritans, the Kutim, were in Eretz Israel already, and they were claiming to be Jews because they had converted, so to speak, where they had adopted the practices of Judaism. And so they wanted to participate in the building of the Beit HaMikdash, and Ezra refused to accept it. And that's where we get the idea that we don't accept the Machatzit Shekel from them. So now we talk to, turn to the top of Dalit Amud Aleph, uh, the continuing, uh, the Mishnah is continuing. So Kolbon was an extra surcharge that a person would give when they gave Machatzit Shekel. There's a Machloket, as we're going to see, between Rabbi Meir and the Chachamim. Under what circumstances you have to bring this Kolbon, but basically Kolbon was a small surcharge. Uh, that went along with Machatzit Shekel. According to the Chachamim, you only give this Kolbon in a case where you give a full Shekel on behalf of two people and they have to split it in half. So it's kind of like it covers the, the cost of the exchange of breaking the money from a full Shekel to a Machatzit Shekel. Rabbi Meir says, no, anytime you give Machatzit Shekel, you have to give Kolbon, we're going to see. Here the people have to bring it. Meaning everybody, basically, whether you're a Levi, Israel, convert, or freed slave. But not Kohanim, uh, because they, as, as we said, we don't force them to give Machatzit Shekel, even though the conclusion was previously that they do have to give it. But since we don't, 
uh, lay claim to their assets in order to force them to give it, we also don't require them to give this kolbon, and women are not obligated, so they don't have, if they decide to give, they don't have to give the kolbon, and avadim, slaves who are currently enslaved, do not have to give the kolbon, and ktanim, also, since they don't have to give machatit shekel, obviously they don't have to give the surcharge either. Hashokel al kohen, al isha, al evet, al katan, patur. Now we said that if a person, when does a person give the kolbon, the extra surcharge? When he gives a whole shekel on behalf of himself and somebody else, okay? But if he's, or if he wants change. But if the person gives a whole shekel and one of the people he's representing is a kohen or a woman or a slave or a child, meaning somebody who is not obligated in machatzit shekel and they're just doing it out of the goodness of their heart, so then he doesn't have to give the kolbon because uh, basically what he's giving on their behalf is extra anyway because they don't really require the machatzit shekel anyway, so we don't require him to pay extra. But if... The, uh, if somebody else gives on his behalf or, or, or it's his friend, in other words, if somebody else, um, if it's a business deal, basically, where it's not a matter of goodness of their heart, but let's say your friend says to you, uh, give them a chatzita shekel for me and I'll pay you back later. In other words, front me the money and I'll pay you back later. So there, he's not doing it out of the goodness of his heart. Both halves of that shekel that he's giving are actually a fulfillment of the mitzvah, whether somebody's doing it for him or he's doing it for somebody else. So therefore, chayav b'kolbon, he has to give the kolbon. Okay, so that's why it says chayav b'kolbon echad. Rabbi Meir Omer, because according to Rabbi Meir, any time you give machatzit shekel, you have to give this extra surcharge called kolbon. And if you give a full shekel and they have to give you change, then you have to give two. In other words, according to the Chachamim, the only time you have to give the extra machatzit, the extra surcharge is when you pay with a full shekel and they have to get, and they have to break it into a half shekel. But if you pay a half shekel to fulfill the obligation, in other words, you pay, you pay exact change. So then you don't need to give the kolbon. According to Meir, you always have to give the kolbon. And if they have to break change for you, you have to pay two kolbonot. We're going to see it's a small amount, okay? Now, anoten sela vinotel shekel. If a person gives a sela, in other words, a sela is a full shekel, and he receives a change back, chayav shnei kolbonot. So initially, the Gemara is going to assume that this is referring to Rabbi Meir's position. He has to pay two kolbonot. Why? Because he's giving, because according to Rabbi Meir, you always have to give a kolbon when you give the machatzit shekel. Plus, he's getting his money back, so that's a second service that he's getting, so he has to pay two kolbonot, two extra surcharges for that. If he's doing that a favor, in other words, he says to his friend, I'll give a full shekel and I'm going to cover you to a poor person, to a neighbor, to, his, to, his, to somebody in the city, whatever, then he doesn't have to pay the kolbon because we feel bad for it. Well, we don't feel bad for him, but meaning he's doing something out of the goodness of his heart, so we're not going to make him pay the kolbon. Now that would only be true, again, according really to, Rebbe, to the Chachamim, because according to Rebbe, you always have to pay the kolbon, and according to Chachamim, it's an extra surcharge, so we waive the extra surcharge when the guy is doing something out of the kindness of his heart. Vim hilvan chayav. But if they, if it's a business deal, in other words, he said to this person, "I will put it, I will put the machatzit shekel for you, since I have a full shekel, I'll, I'll do it for you, but you have to pay me back." So then he's not really doing a kindness; he's he's just lending the guy money. I mean, it's nice, but. He's not doing a full kindness, so he still has to pay the kolbon in that case because the service charge is going to be included in breaking the money. Okay, ashutafin. So if you have brothers who are uh, partners in the estate of their fathers, chayavin the kolbon maser. So if brothers are partners um, and they're obligated in the kolbon, they're exempt from maser behema. So the, the rule is like this. It's very interesting. So when brothers inherit an estate, the estate comes what's called tfusat In other words, the, inher- the inheritance comes as one entity. Okay? 
So when it's one entity, that means it's not really considered a partnership. Once the brothers divide up the assets and become partners, now it's a partnership. But when they in- initially inherit the estate, it's not considered a partnership. It's just considered one entity, one you know, incorporated entity, so to speak. So therefore, if they pay from their father's estate, they pay the machatita shekel, they take one full shekel, and these two brothers pay for their machatita shekel from the estate. So just like if their father had paid for them, and in other words, if he had given a shekel, a machatita shekel for himself, and a machatita shekel for one of them as one shekel, he wouldn't have to pay the kolbon because he's doing them a favor. So to here, since it's like as if the father is still paying for their machatita shekel by giving the coin, he wouldn't have to pay the surcharge because surcharge is only, you know, surcharge is waived when you're doing it out of the kindness of your heart. So even though the father is not there anymore, since the estate is paying and the estate is one entity and they haven't inherited the estate officially yet because, they, because it's still not di- divided up, so therefore, they don't have to pay the kolbon in that case. However, that would mean that they're obligated in Maser Behemah. Why? Because Maser Behemah, the rule is that taking one-tenth of the animals, where you allow the animals to go out of the pen and you mark every tenth, that's only when there's one owner. But if there are two owners, so then you are exempt from Maser Behemah, as we learned a long time ago. So therefore, in this case, since the estate hasn't been divided up yet, so there's a plus and a minus. The plus is that they don't have to pay the surcharge for Machatzit shekel if they pay together because it's one entity. The negative is they have to do Maser Behemah because, that, because it's one entity. And since it's one entity, it's not considered a partnership and they're obligated. Vice, and the opposite would be, the converse would be, if they already divided up the estate. Since they divided up the estate, even if they reconstituted a partnership after that, after that when they give the machatita shekel now, even if they give it as one coin, it's a business deal. They're each sharing it. You know, it's not like one person giving on behalf of the, uh, you know, out of the kindness of his heart. So therefore, they would have to pay the uh, surcharge in that case for the, because they're going to have to break that full shekel into two machatziota uh, shekel. Um, and they will be exempt, though, from Maser Behemah because now they're partners. And how much is the kolbon? Kesef, the Rabbi Meir says, it's 124th of a full shekel. Okay? One twenty-fourth of a full shekel. However, uh, according to Chachamim Omim Chatzim Ma'at, half of that. In other words, it's one twenty-fourth of Machatita shekel. According to Rabbi Meir, it's one twenty. It's one twelfth of a half shekel, and it's one twenty-fourth of a full shekel. According to the Chachamim, it's one twenty-fourth of a half shekel. Now, uh, this, so it's a very small amount. Is the point? Now the Gemara says, "Afal pisha amru So it said, even though they said that we don't seize the property of children and so on to, to get the machatzit shekel from them, we still accept it from them. But that shows you that we do take it from, them, right? So, uh, so it says uh, that implies we do take it from them. So the problem is that over the, that before we said that we do take it from, we, that we don't insist, we don't force them to give. And here we say that we would, we would, here it says we accept it from them, meaning we don't force them to give, right? Before when we said we don't take their property, right? We said, but we do request it from them. So which one is it? Do we request it from them? Do we push them to give it or not? Here it sounds like mikablin man, we accept it from them. Oh, it's very nice, but we don't push them. So which one is true? Right here it sounds like no. So, right, because that's what it said before. We don't demand it from them. So what's the answer? The yeah. It depends if he's bar mitzvah or not. In other words, there's three levels we learned, basically, especially according to the Rambam and the Grah, the way that they read it. 
that level one is the child who's under bar mitzvah. That one, we don't ask for anything from him. If he wants to give, because he wants to give it he's out of his piggy bank, it's, it's fine. You can you give it. But we don't, it, it's, not a, uh, it's not a requirement. If he's 13, it's a requirement, but if he doesn't give it, we don't come and, uh, and confiscate his PlayStation or whatever to get him to give. Uh, but if he's 20, so I'm just trying to think of what they would have. So then he's 20, then we uh, confiscate his property as well. Um, okay, so on Nechuiva Kuti, what about the Gentile in the Kuti? I'm Rabbi Ba. Rabbi Ba says, Tiftar Gemadamar Kuti Kinuchri. This sounds like it's saying a Kuti, the Samaritans are considered not Jewish, because as I mentioned before, this was a raging debate in the times of the Tanaim, especially whether the Samaritans were considered Jewish. Did Palagin, because they had a machloket about that, Kuti Kinuchri, Rabbi, Rabbi said that the Kutim, their conversion was just done because they were afraid of the wild animals in Eretz Israel. It had nothing to do with Judaism, and therefore they're not really Jewish, and their practice was not really authentically Jewish either. Rabban But Rabban always said that the Kuti is just like a Jew, and we saw that actually in Besach Psachim also when they talked about whether the matzav kuti would be good, right? Amar Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Lazar said, Matnitin benuchrim. Our Mishnah is talking about non-Jews. Habikutim <clears throat> lo, but not about about kuti. Vetani, we learned in a Braita, right? Because vetaneken, we learned in a Braita. Adam lerabot tagerim, mikem lo tzietem umarim. Because we learned that converts are included in bringing korbanot. Right, but uh, but mikem from you when it says that a person who brings from you that's to exclude people who are heretics. In other words, a Jew who is an unbeliever, we don't accept korbanot from him. But a non-Jew who comes and wants to bring korbanot, we do accept. And uh, and therefore you see that and and the, they interpret this as referring to the kutim that the gerimir that are being referred to as the kutim. So you see that the kutim are allowed to bring. So when it said that we don't accept certain types of korbanot, it's talking about the Gentiles, but the kutim we do accept. So then the Gemara says, if that's true, then you're saying, so it says, but our Mishnah says we don't accept from them the offerings of a Zav who completes his purification or a Zava or someone who gave birth completes the purification. We don't accept the offering. The Gentiles have a concept of bringing korbanot after childbirth? There's no such concept. They don't have a concept of tum'ah at all. So why would you even think that they would bring the korbanot at the end? Rather, the beginning, when it says that we don't accept machatzit shekel, etc., that's talking about everybody. It's talking about all kinds of Gentiles and the kutim. The end, where it says we don't accept from them any uh, childbirth sacrifices or zav or zavad, that's talking about the kutim only, because the kutim do observe Jewish practice, so you might think that we'd accept it from them, but we don't accept it from them. That's the point. I'm Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan said, and there's actually uh, uh, an interesting halakha question about accepting donations from Gentiles. It says, When they're building the Beit HaMikdash in the beginning, when it's not built yet, we don't accept anything from the Gentiles. You can accept something from them which is not specific in the end. Meaning, once you have the Beit HaMikdash, if someone says, I want to donate some money, a Gentile, okay, no problem. But, imagine, but if they want to do something in the beginning, don't take it from them. Davar misuyam means if they have a plaque on the wall, you know, like you're going to say this is donated by, you know, uh, Christian Christensen, you know, he wants to donate the uh, parochet. You, you know, you can't have that, right? That's davar misuyam. It says if, you, if it's the building when they start out, right? So, th- so that would be, uh, th- then, f- then we don't accept anything. But once it's already built, let's say somebody wants to donate to the synagogue. I'm, this is talking about the Beit HaMikdash. But let's say they want to donate to the synagogue money. 
Okay, you know, they want to give money to a synagogue, there's no problem. A Gentile could give money. But if they want to put, you know, something in the, you know, they want to install the Aaron and say this is, you know, on the name of their family, so that you wouldn't take it. So it's the same concept, right? But Resh Lakish says, Ben Batchila, Ben Basov, En Mikablehen, Lo Devar Musuyam, Lo Devar Sheno Musuyam. According to Resh Lakish, we never take any contribution for them to the, for the Beit HaMikdash. This is, of course, we, we can think about this also in terms of synagogues today, but uh, it's talking about the Beit HaMikdash. Now it says, Matnitin Pligi al Rabbi Yochanan. Our Mishnah seems to disagree with Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan was saying that there are exceptions because it says, En mekablin mehen hekdesh undavad. This is actually not our Mishnah, but it's actually a Brayta. It should say, Matnita Pligi al Rabbi Yochanan. Right? This Brayta says, we don't accept from them hekdesh undavad al We don't accept anything even for the upkeep of the Beit HaMikdash, meaning we don't accept any donations from the Gentiles for the Beit HaMikdash. So that contradicts Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan said that we do, once we have a Beit HaMikdash for the upkeep, we accept donations, just not during the construction because we don't want them to take ownership of it or say, oh, this is really ours, this is we gave you. You know, so patala ben batchila ben basov. Ubilvad, and he said, this could be either in the, uh, the beginning or the end. Ubilvad, um, meaning if it's in the beginning, in other words, if it's in the beginning, Rabbi Yochanan will say that either it's talking about while they were building the Beit HaMikdash, where even I agree you can't take anything from them, or it's talking about after they already have the Beit HaMikdash and they want to put Davar Misuyam, they want to put some specific dedication on an item that everyone is going to see. That's what it's talking about. But if they just want to give money once the Beit HaMikdash is already built, so then it shouldn't be a problem. And then it says, Matnitin pligi al Lakish, Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish. We also have a contradiction to Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish. Why? Because he said, We can't take anything. So what, what is the answer? So the Tanei hakol shavit shein nodrin venidarin. Because we learn, everyone agrees. In other words, both Jews and Gentiles can make nidarim. They can swear, they can vow to bring an offering, let's say, venidarin. And an oath can be made about them. Okay, so what, so, uh, what case is that then? So you see that they can, it says no dream, they can give. So how can Rish Lakish say they can never give? It says no dream, they can give. Venidarin, they can be given. Usually nidarin means a person will say, I'm going to give your value, in honor of you, I'm going to give whatever your value is to the Beit HaMikdash, meaning whatever your monetary value is. And you know, you calculate that, I guess, based on how much they would go on the, on the market. You know, if somebody, right? So, that's Erech is different because it's a fixed number and the oh. Neder is when I say actual I want to bring in an assessor to say how much you're worth on the market you know so that, that would be uh, that, that would be a different thing but the point is you see that no dream they can give so patala ola Reish Lakish says they can bring a korban that's what it means they can't donate to the Beit HaMikdash itself but they can bring a korban bring a korban is okay Okay, so now, uh, so then what about, that works, nicha, nodri, that makes sense to say nodri nola, that they give an ola, nidarin ola, but how can you say they are sworn about? How can you say I'm going to give this Gentile as a korban? That doesn't make any sense, you can't do that. So what does, it, what, what does it mean? It sounds like it means that they could say I'm giving the value to the, to, to the Beit HaMikdash, I'm giving it as money, not that they're giving just a, a korban. So the answer is no, he'll say, Ela kishamar Yisrael, the way we have it is, kishamar Yisrael alai ola, v'shamar nukhi v'amar ma'asha amar ze alai, that the Jew could say, I'm going to bring a korban, and the non-Jew will say, oh, whatever he said, I'm also going to bring. So nidarin means they can use whatever we say, they can also use and adopt it. But the gra is a different version that it says, no, that it means that the, um, that the Gentile will say, uh, I'm going to bring a korban ola, and the Jew will say, I'm going to bring what he says. Meaning, he can give an ola, and we can also say, oh, whatever he said, I'm going to give. So it's passive, meaning he's passive, because I'm saying I'm going to give what he gives. 
Okay? Or he could be active. I'm going to give. But according to Rish Lakish, the only thing they can ever bring is an actual korban. They can't give anything to the building of the Beit HaMikdash. So it says, if he doesn't bring, it should say if he doesn't bring uh, any accompanying offerings with his offerings, right? Um, so we bring it for him. If a, if a Gentile brings a korban, but he didn't bring the accompanying wine, flour, etc., then we bring it for him from the communal, uh, from the communal fund. So the question is, the implication is he can bring it. But the thing is, if he does bring it and there's any extra, those funds go to the Beit HaMikdash. They go to the vessels of the Beit HaMikdash. That's what they use the extra funds for. So indirectly, the Gentile is going to be buying uh, Kalim is going to be buying vessels for the Beit HaMikdash because the leftover from the flour or wine that he brings with the sacrifice is going to go. The money is going to go to, the, to getting uh, vessels for the Beit HaMikdash. So it says, Lo And doesn't it go, The leftover, doesn't it go for the Klesharet? Doesn't it go for the vessels? So it says, no. So that's going to mean that he'll be able to point to a certain thing in the Beit HaMikdash and say, I paid for that with the, with, with the extra money that I gave. It went to that. So it says, no. The difference is that Hetiv Rabbi Yossi Bar Rabbi Bon so they're saying, similarly, didn't we say that a Gentile can do arachin? He could say, I'm going to give the erech of that person. And we learned in arachin that that means there's a specific number based on your gender and your age, a specific amount of money that will be given. Or he could be the subject of it. You could say, I'm going to give the erech of that Gentile. It doesn't matter that he's a Gentile. Whatever age he has and gender he is, it determines what the money, what, how much money you would give, right? So how can he do that? How can he give arachin? Doesn't it go also to the upkeep of the Beit HaMikdash? It should be a problem that he's contributing to the upkeep of the Beit HaMikdash. So it says, What do we say? I have to too many pages in this The idea is, that the Gentile, when he said, I'm going to give this contribution, he doesn't know where the money is going. It's where it's going. He didn't know it was. He thought he was giving a korban. So that's okay for him to give. So it happens to be we take the money and what do we do? We put it to the uh, communal, uh, to the building fund. He didn't know that. He didn't mean to give to the building fund. So it's okay. So too, we say here the same idea that uh, the Gentile, when he gave the money, Right when he gave the nisachim, when he gave the offering, and he had the accompanying wine or the flour, and some of the extra, so there's some extra, and the value of the extra goes into the building fund. That wasn't his intention for it to go in the building fund. He wanted to give it as a korban. The fact that it falls into the building fund is okay. In other words, as long as he didn't intend and say, "I'm writing a check for the building fund," or "I want to put something, a decoration in the sanctuary," it's it's okay that it falls into that eventually, as long as that wasn't the original intent. Right, ma avala Rabbi Shem ben Lakish patala lo lachem velano livnot bayit lelohenu. So he says, what is the uh, what will uh, Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish say about this uh, uh, about the situation? Because uh, we know that uh, even though it's not going for a specific item, Rabbi, Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish doesn't like that. Even if it generically falls. Into the uh, into the building fund, he doesn't like it. Forget about that. It uh, that it, that it, it doesn't have to go for a specific item to be a problem. So it says again, only things that are part of the structure of the Beit Hamikdash, according to Rishon Ben Lakish. But if they decide to give some, if their money accidentally ends up 
or even on purpose, ends up buying vessels for the Bet HaMikdash, that would be okay. Just not the building itself. Rabbi Chizkiah, Rabbi Simon, Sha'al. They asked the following question. Therefore, you can't accept money from the Gentiles to deal with the drainage, the drainage line that goes out of the Bet HaMikdash. Or to the walls around the city or its, uh, or its pillars uh, or its uh, towers, right? Because the Pasuk said when Ezra rejected the Kutim who wanted to participate in the Bet HaMikdash, he said, it's not for you. You know, you don't have any portion in this. We don't, and since even and the walls around Yerushalayim play a role in the Kiddushah and the holiness and even the drainage plays a role in the holiness of the Beit HaMikdash. We don't want them to have any part in the structure of the Beit HaMikdash and the holiness of the Beit HaMikdash. So they're excluded from all of that. And then you have to go all the way down skipping those parentheses where it should really say What is Rabbi Meir's reasoning that you always have to pay this extra surcharge with the Machatik Shekel? He says... Says, so he says, Even, Just like the shekel comes from the Torah, the kolbon also comes from the Torah. So that, meaning to say that according to the Torah itself, when a person gives the machatzit a shekel, he has to also give a kolbon automatically. It doesn't matter. Because it's, Rabbi Meir said that Hashem showed Moshe Rabbeinu a fiery coin. In other words, in a, in a prophetic vision. He showed it to him from underneath the throne of glory. He said, you should give like this. In other words, I think what it's saying is that Rabbi Meir is saying a regular shekel isn't enough. Because what Moshe Rabbeinu actually saw in the vision was something more than an ordinary shekel. It was a fiery shekel. So you have to add something, even from the Torah, you have to add something in order to make it count for Machatit uh, shekel. We're just going to do one little more part and then we'll stop. So he uh, says, Natan sela litol shekel So it said that if you give a full sela, which is two Machatit shekel, right, then you have to pay two things. Why? We assume, Amrabi al Azar. He, it really, it should be Rabbi Meiri. It's really Rabbi Meir who said it. Why? Detanya. Elo chayvim kolbon. Kolbon echad. Rabbi Meir omer shnei kolbonot. Because according to Rabbi Meir, if you want change back, you need to pay two kolbonot. Right? That's what he said. So why? Because you're asking for two things. First of all, when you give, you automatically have to give the kolbon anyway. And then you're asking him to return you change. So that's another thing. So therefore you have to pay another kolbon for the service charge for that. Anyway, you'd have to give a kolbon for giving machatit the shagel. And to get back money, you need more. But... Uma, but not everybody agrees. Uma, Rav, Rav says, no. Everyone agrees if you give a full shekel and you want your money back too, that's ex- asking extra. Right? You need two kolbonot. Because Rabbi Meir actually requires three kolbonot. He says, first of all, when you give your machatzit a shekel, even if you gave a half shekel, you have to give an extra surcharge. And you gave a full shekel, so you have to pay for that. That they're going to have to break it into half. And you have to pay for the fact that they're giving you back change. Okay? It's like, uh, you know, they're really getting you on everything here, right? According to, according to Rav, there are three kolbonot that you have to pay, according to Rabbi Meir. Again, they said in the name of Rav, three kolbonot. So, in other words, according to this view, the Chachamim even would agree. That if you give a full shekel, you always, everyone agrees if you give a full shekel, you always have to give them that extra surcharge. If you want your money back, you got to pay a second surcharge. Okay? Because that's another service to get your money back. Because you could have just let, let them keep the change. You need another service, you got to that. And according to Rabbi Meir, you're going to have to have a third one. Because according to Rabbi Meir, you always, always have to give them a chatzit shekel, no matter what. 
When you give, I'm sorry, the kolbon, no matter what, when you give the machatzit shekel, there's an extra surcharge involved, no matter what, whether you break change, whether you don't break change, whether you receive it back or not. So they're going to be three, according to him, and two, according to the Chachamim. Bezwet Hashem, we'll continue from here tomorrow. tomorrow.